0: Hello everybody, welcome to another episode of the Well College Podcast, where we provide tools for our college students to grow in Christlikeness. So I'm glad that you're joining us today for uh, the episode where we'll be discussing how to make sense of such a crazy time. So thanks for tuning in. Okay, everybody, Um, welcome back to another episode. Uh, This is technically the fifth time that we have a guest speaker in our podcast. Um, Here, I'll give him a little bit of, you know, time for him to introduce himself in a second. But uh, this is uh, Thomas Wilson. He's an ACU student, uh, junior. Is that? About to be senior. About to be senior. Gosh. And he's also about to get married in, what, 40 days less? Something like that, yeah. Golly. Well uh shout out to Bryn, but uh so uh he he's also um an african-american student over at acu so i'm just really interested in you know this crazy time that we're living in for him to kind of make sense out of um something that i honestly am very ignorant in and don't have a lot of bandwidth and uh, historically it's not something that i put a lot of priority in in thought and uh, in mind so um with that said dude would you mind just introducing yourself to us uh you know, where were you born, where you, et cetera. you do you.
1: Yeah. Okay. Uh, like Santi said, uh, my name is Thomas Wilson. I'm about to be a senior. I'm um, at ACU. I am engaged currently and getting married here in a couple of days. So I'm very thankful, um, for that. I grew up in Denton, Texas, um, decided to come to ACU um, and do track. So that's what I'm doing currently. I'm really thankful and blessed to do that. But yeah, I've been here at the well ever since my freshman year. I've loved it. I've been growing. I'm really, um, fortunate to be, Surrounded by a great body of believers, so this is a great place. Awesome. Know, a little bit about me. Um,
0: uh, so, uh, the format for this is, um, uh, it's kind of a little bit weird, and I mean, we've discussed it prior to starting this um episode, but at first, what I'm really interested in is making this, um, I don't know what should we call it issue, circumstance, whatever else you want to call
1: it, but, yeah, making yeah, light of whatever's going on,
0: yeah, 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 this stuff that it's going on, right? Like, um in a lot of ways, to me, it lacks a lot of personal story, um, and and you know you can hear different documentaries and stuff like that, but that, that's still kind of distant. Yeah. I I really wanted to ask somebody who who I know and love and also respect, just what's your your firsthand experience with all this stuff that we keep on uh, hearing about. So, um, here I've just prepared a couple of um, uh, questions for Thomas, and then. Uh, he'll be in charge of uh, discussing those. But um, the first question that I had was uh, Dude, what what is it like for you to watch movies, you know, throughout all your life where characters are primarily white?
1: Yeah. Um, I think growing up watching TV, that, yeah, you see a lot of, um, there was a lot of underrepresentation of minorities in shows. And I think. Um, to some extent, as a little kid, you didn't—you don't really, you know, ask the deep questions. But even then, sometimes the simple ones um, can be deep. Like, why are like why why are all the good guys always white, and there's never a black good guy, you know, mm-hmm. in like superhero movies and stuff like that. So I think that um, in shows or movies that growing up, I was kind of not—I was kind of blind to the fact that you know, my my race is underrepresented but at the same time i don't think those caused too many questions for me Mm because at a young age they they just kind of feel like stuff like that is just kind of normalized you know
0: dude uh this is something that just came to mind too but what um what did you feel the first time that you watched black panther
1: yeah um i think i think for black culture many people loved it Uh, it was really good just to see a movie that was really really it was done really well um and just really have a predominant black presence in it which was awesome you know uh-huh. i think that it was really great um for for black people and also to just the marvel world i'm a big marvel fan and so um, i think that was really good and it, i think it was a really well done movie um in light of the fact that many times black people are underrepresented in mm-hmm. hollywood and things like that and mm-hmm. so i really appreciated um, the work that was done in that movie and i look forward to more more movies like that yeah. you know
0: yeah. yeah that's great that's great that's awesome. I love that. Is he your favorite uh, Marvel? Uh,
1: I like Hulk because I like to lift weights. And, I wanna, <laughs> you know, that would be pretty cool to yes. be a nice guy, you know, with the glasses and all. And then automatically whenever I want to get all big. So that would be pretty cool. But yes. Black I'm, Panther's pretty close. I'm
0: thinking about posting that picture um, that was all over campus of <laughs> you. Because yeah. Thomas, I mean, you can't see Thomas right now. I'll, I'll post a picture of him on, on Instagram whenever we, we release the episode. But... Um, uh thomas is like what 230 pounds uh
1: 215.
0: 215 holy i'm just pure muscle man (laughs) this guy punched me in the face uh you would lack i don't know a college minister i guess (laughs) Uh, that's a stupid joke okay let's uh let's move on here i have uh another question yeah Dude, what has been... Um, so, uh, Bryn.
1: Yes, my uh, beautiful fiance. Uh-huh, yeah, let's go. <laughs> uh,
0: Thomas, uh, s- seriously, it's like July 17th. Yeah. Uh, so, uh-huh. dude, it's uh, coming up soon. Yeah, man. But, um, dude, what is it? So, Bryn is uh, obviously a, a white girl, ca- yeah. Caucasian girl. Uh, what has it been like... Uh, shout out to Bryn, by the way. <laughs> uh, what has it been like to date, mm-hmm. to ask... Her hand in marriage, yeah. All that process in, in regards to just all this racial stuff going on. Yeah. Have you experienced something there that would be worth us, like, yeah,
1: le- um, learning about? I would just say, I think definitely, um, that's a very hot, you know, a good thing to talk about. I think, like, I think yesterday actually was like the day, um, some, well, I think it was Loving versus Virginia or something like that, to mm-hmm. where like blacks, so like, where it made interracial marriages legal. Oh, about, about 55 years ago. I couldn't be getting married to Bryn. And so it's just crazy to think that, you know, we think that that was far in the, far in the past, but it was literally, literally
0: it's a generation ago. Yeah. My dad had me when he was 40 years old.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, it's like, that's a big deal, you know? And so I think that just like through the process of with me and Bryn, I mean, yeah, there's different cultural differences that we've had to overcome and talk about or just, you know, things that we do differently, you know? Um, And so I, I, it's, for me, the whole courting process—I guess you would say—I'm really thankful that her family got to know me as just the individual. I'm um, as, as we, we both went to high school together, and awesome. so they got to know me for me before I was ever her boyfriend. But at the same time, I do think just within with anything with different races and cultures, if it was if if you don't know, you automatically have these stereotypes and generalizations mm. that you make, and um, I'm thankful that the typical stereotypical things that could have you know not have been. You know, necessarily a proponent for me. Those didn't affect me as much because her parents got to know me as a solid individual yeah. before I was ever her boyfriend. So I'm awesome. thankful for that. I love that. But, yeah. I love that.
0: Which goes back to, you know, kind of like MLK's uh, comment mm-hmm. on, you know, being. I don't. I can't quote it verbatim, but not judging people for the color of their skin, but the for content of, the of their character. character. For sure. Um, yeah. I can attest that you are a man of your, of character. For sure. Uh, for sure. Thank you, man. But not to get too emotional, let's just keep on moving over here. Um, this is the last question that I have written over here. Yeah. And then we we just have a couple of topics to cover. But
1: yeah.
0: Um, when people say all lives matter, which often you know, and at least sometimes comes from really well intentioned sure. people, you know, they're, and, and you know, I feel like all this media and and everything that's happening in the news in a lot of ways make makes demons out of people who are ignorant mm-hmm. and people who I mean there's people who obviously choose to be ignorant and that's a different thing than somebody who you know just doesn't know but when people say all lives matter um what is it that we end up missing yeah how is how are how is saying all lives matter different than saying black lives matter
1: I really appreciate um, you asking that question and I think it's important because you have to recognize that right now, black people, all of the stuff that's going on, things are, you know, killings and things like that are becoming more disproportionate among people of color. Mm -hmm. Um, Just, I think black lives matter is important to say because through our Americans history, black lives didn't matter. Um, Mm -hmm. They were slaves and after that, three fifths of a human being and then just things like that over and over. And now, you know, wrongful killings and stuff like that. I think it's important to say um, the Black Lives Matter, but yes, do all lives matter? One hundred percent. I don't think anyone um, who says Black Lives Matter are saying other lives don't matter. Um, I mm-hmm. think if we liken it to anything else, if it's October and it's Breast Cancer Month, and we're saying mm-hmm. breast cancer matters, mm-hmm. but you are gonna say what about colon cancer? Or <laughs> What about you know, like yeah, of course those things matter. But mm-hmm. right now we are the issue is breast cancer, and this is what we're going to, um, this is what we're going to talk about more. This is what we're going to really be proactive for and that's something I think that people need I think sometimes too um, people are afraid to say black lives matter because just of whatever you may feel that people may people may assume that if you're saying black lives matter you're automatically discounting that white lives or any lives don't mm-hmm. matter but that's, it's, that's not what it is yeah. black lives matter is not was not ever from at least my understanding was not ever meant to yeah. you know to demean any other race or anything like that, but just to bring about the attention that in our American history, black lives have not mattered. Mm -hmm. And hopefully now, you know, through these things that are happening, we can start to mean like, okay, black lives don't just, yes, they they matter, but like they should be valued just like everyone else's are.
0: Yeah. What I've noticed that people react against is that it seems like a political movement. Yeah, sometimes, yeah. And man, that's just sad. Yeah. I feel like we, something that I was thinking throughout all this, this time which I am very ignorant of. Um, so if I see something that's just stupid, please call me that's out okay. cuz I have no clue but yeah. um something that I think it just keeps on playing in my mind is that we are Christians before we're anything else. Yeah. Yeah. We are Christians before, you know, we are Republicans yes. or Democrats, yes. conservatives whatever. or liberals or yeah. you know whatever you want to ascribe to that. So um here is um something really interesting in in regards to being a Christian before I'm anything else is the fact that saying black lives matter even though there's certain aspects of the institution that coined that term Mm -hmm. that you might disagree with or whatever else. It doesn't negate the fact that black lives do matter and that all black lives do matter. Um, And and it makes me think of, you know, what does it mean to be a Christian? And, And Christian is tied up with Obviously, the person of Jesus Christ, who walked on earth and died and also resurrected in our behalf for a new life, um, and uh, I'm just wondering, like, what kinds of teachings of Jesus can you think about uh, that, in a lot of, of ways, validates that actually black lives do matter.
1: For sure. Um,
0: do you have anything in mind that comes? Yeah. Or more like anything that comes to mind?
1: Yeah, for sure. It's I think it's one of the. What, what jesus really wants um us to do and you know it's love the lord your god with all your heart mind and strength but then also love your neighbor as yourself and so um for for us to recognize that people matter um and this is not just a, this is not a matter of you know people don't matter or only these type of people matter or only my christian friends matter or only you know my the people in my political party matter it's love your neighbor as yourself as Everyone matters, and everyone should be valued mm-hmm. the way Jesus values each and every one of us. Mm-hmm. You know, so
0: yeah, which makes a lot of sense. It's uh, that's whenever um, Jesus gets asked, "What's the most important commandment?" Yeah, you know, a scripture, and He says, "Shall love your God." That's the first and primary yeah. commandment. He says, "You shall love your neighbor." So, in a lot of ways, loving our neighbor stems out of our love for
1: god oh yeah
0: who loves all people
1: yeah
0: um maybe historically it seems like the church has not affirmed that by the way that you know racism and all this stuff that played out in you know american history in the past mainly by christians mm-hmm. which you're like i don't there's a really good movie about this harriet have
1: okay. you watched it i have not heard Dude, really good things
0: really dope really dope but you watch it and it almost brings you to tears on how in in a lot of senses people utilize scripture and god to Mm -hmm. to actually hate neighbor which you know it's kind of odd too but um, yeah
1: i think it's i think what you were talking about just like the way god loves us um i think it's in first john you know we love because he first loved us Mm -hmm. and so i think when we can start to really start to love people um what i try to do at least is to the way god loves me that vertical relationship of love that i receive through christ i try to show that horizontally Mm -hmm. um to not just people who I want to show it to, but to everyone, to Uh even someone who I may think doesn't deserve it Mm -hmm. because when it comes to my relationship with Christ, I didn't deserve to be picked Mm -hmm. up and to be saved. And so I think when we can really humble ourselves and to really recognize the love that Christ shows us is the same love that we should be trying to show horizontally. Mm -hmm. Um, that particular, that, you know, the for the love that forgives over and over and over the love that, you know, that, That really seeks after people I think that's the type Mm -hmm. of love that we should try to have for everyone you know
0: dude and it makes me think a lot about this too because uh, this is actually an observation that you've brought before uh, in just some conversations that we had before but I feel like in a lot of ways um, our modern evangelical kind of movement focuses only on the vertical relationship have you Mm -hmm. it literally just came to mind as you were talking in, in a lot of ways, I feel like we, we're very comfortable affirming that relationship that we have with Jesus by just me and you. That's it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all our songs cater towards this, mm-hmm. right? Like, uh, you know, I don't know. I can't think Are of anything. But, but you yeah. know what I mean? It's very, like, vertical focused. And then I think the reason why a lot of people react to these movements like Black Lives Matter, it's because it's only horizontal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it's it's all, anybody can go out and uh, fight for the rights of, you don't have to be a Christian for that. So a lot of people kind of stand back and say, well, if there's no God in it, then that's kind of weird because you have like political agenda and all mm-hmm. that stuff. So in a lot of ways, I feel like what they're condemning is the fact that we only stretch our arms to the sides while neglecting the vertical. But I think those two things are not separated
1: they're not yeah. in the
0: gospel. It's the fact that the way that we love God so often should reflect in the way that we love others. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jesus says this too, and I can not remember—I think it's somewhere in John thirteen thirty-four.
1: Yeah, um, uh, people will know you are my disciples. By the way, you love one another.
0: Yeah, it's yeah, it's either there or in, in chapter fifteen, something okay. like that. I can't remember, uh, but that's where he says, "A new commandment I give to you." Yeah, right. That that you ought to love one another as I have loved.
1: You and that's hard. Sometimes. That's hard. <laughs> it involves death. Yeah.
0: It involves death. Yeah. If anything, it it in my mind it that's the invitation. Even in the the way that Jesus lived his life, becoming less, uh, you know, the incarnation, Him coming to Earth, is is a posture of the heart that models to us that we should be paying attention and that we should listen and extend ourselves to serve and to love those who are suffering and those who yeah. are. Um, you know, our to be specific, our black friends and mm-hmm. our black neighbors and our, you know, uh, in in churchy terms, our black brothers and sisters who, in a lot of ways, are crying out, mm-hmm. uh, this is what's happening to us, and and we ought to respond to that because yeah. Jesus would have, and Jesus actually does and did. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Sorry, I went in a rant. No, that's okay. <laughs> dude, what um. What about the neighbor passage? Um, yeah. Would you Would you mind expanding a little bit on that?
1: Yeah, man. Um, um, love you. Which Which passage specifically? I'm
0: thinking of the the Samaritan. Okay. Yeah. You know the
1: Luke. Yeah, Luke. Uh, Luke 10:24. Yeah, I that's where it starts. Luke that is 10:24. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, man. Jr. had a really good sermon on that yeah, last yeah. week. Yeah, yeah. It was really good. Um, and so I think, um, man, that passage I think shows a lot of us. Um, you know. I think we can look at that right now and kind of see where are we in that story um you know it's the story of the good samaritan someone comes up to jesus and is like you know um who is my neighbor and jesus tells him the story of you know there's a someone who was out on the street a priest passed by a levite passed by but a samaritan who was thought to be you know the least at the time um actually came and showed him mercy and so like Jesus kind of just turns it to, like, you know, you were asking who is your neighbor, but now I'm telling you that, like, you are to go and be a neighbor um, to other people. And I think right now, with everything that's going on, just with, um, you know, just racism and just things like that that are, you know, becoming present right now, at least to a lot of people, um, I think sometimes all of us can find ourselves sometimes as that priest or the Levite who kind of walked walked on by. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Jr did a really great job of just, you know, being honest um, and really talking about, you know, like... Jesus, and the love that Jesus shows us, you know, love your neighbor as yourself, you know, love others have, how I have loved you, that's the love um, that we can show, and even if we feel that people don't deserve it, you know and mm-hmm. so I think that's what I think loving, yeah w- true love comes when, even whenever you don't feel like doing it, you know mm-hmm. that's when it really has to, mm-hmm. that's when it really takes hold.
0: Well, in a lot of ways love, in many instances doesn't feel natural yeah for and it sure. pushes us through the boundaries.
1: Yeah, like, I'm about to get married. And, like, yep. Ephesians 5, like, husbands love your wives as Christ loved us and gave himself up for her. Like, that's a hard task, but I look forward to doing it, you know, mm-hmm. and it's going to be challenging. It's going to, there's going to be stuff that we go through, but that's, if I, if I can strive to have that love, I think love covers a multitude of sins, you mm-hmm. know, and so.
0: Dude, yeah. let's go. Let's go. Dude, well, there's a couple of uh, things over here that... Um, that i think are important for us to talk about and and again i i am so ignorant of every of this i'm not okay this has i will say that throughout all this movement after the death of uh, george floyd uh, that started kind of sparking up it made me pay attention to a lot of the things that people were saying that before i just didn't hear Mm -hmm. so this has been very fresh for me so again i I'm trying to walk in a lot of humility as I ask you questions. And um, in a lot of ways, I, I should probably just shut up and let you talk. No, you're and good, that's, man. that's probably what <laughs> I should be doing. But, um, do you, would you mind uh, talking to us about this um, colorblindness?
1: Yeah. I think that colorblindness um, is a term that people use um, I, think it's, I think it's a very popular thing that people do. People say, you know, oh, when I see you, I don't see color. Um, I think, in theory, that sounds great, as Martin Luther King wanted us to do, you know, judge people not by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. And I think when we say, when I see you, I don't see color, we feel like we're doing that, you know. But at the mm-hmm. same time, like, yes, we shouldn't judge people by the color of their skin, but I don't think we should um, neglect or feel like we're blind to the color of their skin. Mm-hmm. Um I think I think when Jesus sees me, he sees me as a black human being, as a black man. You know, mm-hmm. not just, you know, like, yes, he loves us he loves us all and things like that. But he sees me in my struggles and my experiences and things I go through. And whenever we, you know, try to say, Oh, you know, everyone's the same or, you know, just you know, uh yeah, we're all like yeah, we have different colours but we're all the same, like yes. Deep down inside, like we're all Blood and bones, just like everybody else, but our color um, is something that Jesus made me this way, you know, and mm-hmm. I'm thankful for that. Jesus mm-hmm. made you the color that you are, and you should be mm-hmm. appreciative of that. And so mm-hmm. um, I think colorblindness, um, whenever we fail to recognize someone's color, um, we 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 fail to recognize or even deny, um, you know, the things that 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 they go through. As, as, and make you you. Yeah. yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what, what, speaking of that, I mean, you just kind of mentioned like the history on... Yeah, racial injustice uh, mm-hmm. throughout uh, just the years. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Do Do you have any any examples or any?
1: I mean, I think that what what what's really helped me recently. I've been reading a book, and I know at the end of this, we'll kind of talk about some some resources. But I've been reading, um, "The Color of Compromise" by Jamar mm-hmm. Tisby. Um, it's a book by a black author, and he's just talking about how the church has been complicit in racism, just kind of passive um throughout the years. Um, some of the Early people call like church fathers and things like that, you know, own slaves or just, you know, um, we're very, you know, not so much, you know, not so much for slavery or the demeaning of people, but at the same time, we're not, you know, valuing people as Christians, as you know, as made in the image of God. And so I think that, you know, especially we can learn about how the church has handled racism through the years and how, you know, um, the book actually talked about how like we talked about, I grew up in a black church. The reason why there was a black church is because, you know, there would, there would not be a black church if, if black people were just valued or actually were able to attend the services or were allowed to read their Bibles or stuff like that, you know? So I think we can start to recognize, like, the things that happen today, like, they're not just happenstance, you know? We have to look at, look at the history and look at how things have shaped where we are today, mm-hmm. you know?
0: Absolutely. Dude, absolutely. With with just learning more about like history and all this stuff, uh, history and racial injustice uh, throughout um, just the years, do you have any thoughts on on just you know it, obviously the the case of George Floyd raises raises a lot of questions about just br- police brutality, yeah. right? Um, but have you ever have you ever experienced that? Uh, how has been your experience yeah. with
1: that? Yeah. So I I actually have a unique experience. Um, my dad, he is a state trooper, so he's been in law enforcement um, for over 20 years, and so I definitely have a unique perspective as a minority, but also to the son of a of a law enforcement, you know, guy. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm really thankful um, for that. And so when it comes to police brutality, I think that you know we can't be blind to the fact that it happens. It happens among people of all races. It happens to white people, Hispanics, you know, people who look like me. Happens to everyone. But at the same time, um, I think sometimes just through kind of going back to band-aids and movies man just how like the the norm is seen as as not people of color mm-hmm. and so when a black person when a cop pulls over a black man just and I don't think it's anything that this cop was taught oh black people are more dangerous or anything like that but just type of ideologies it that seems grown, subconscious just subconscious, yeah. man just how that through our histories through our country's history has played into so many things today and so um i've I've only been pulled over one time i got pulled over i kept both my hands on the wheel and everything like that and i got a speaking ticket unfortunately but it it is what it is but at the same time um i think that you know we can't yes my experience with the police hasn't been as others um but at the same time i don't think that we should ever um, discredit or undervalue people who have had very true experiences um, that are wrong experiences and things that no one should have to go through because of the color of their skin mm-hmm. And so when it comes to that um, being able to listen being able to listen to other people's yeah. experiences be able to have open ears And not just you know listen and then be ready to defend something, but just to be okay I'm, I, I'm sorry you have to go through that or you've experienced that, yeah. you know,
0: Just learn to empathize and yeah Sympathize and yeah, um, dude. I there's a really I watched the The documentary on Netflix called uh, 13th. Yes, and it's a reference to the 13th Amendment, yeah. and it's incredible. But if I remember, I mean, I'm throwing out this loosely, but again, the documentary is there for anybody to go watch on mm-hmm. Netflix. It's just called The 13th. And it said something along the lines of like, I think it was one out of 14 people in jail is white, mm-hmm. uh, which if you reverse that, 13 out of 14 people are African Americans, Yeah, they're black. Um, and then it threw another statistic that one out of three black men is expected to mm-hmm. experience jail throughout. Which is Islam. saddening. It's saddening. Yeah. It's one out of three, dude. Whenever I start thinking of, you know, again, this is just part of how I grew up. And, mm-hmm. and when you look at the well, majority were white people. Yeah. But just a few... Uh, You know, Nat used to, Nat's my wife, but she used to work at at a school, uh, uh, minorities, like a low-income school. It wasn't a school for minorities. It was a low-income school. And it just happened that there were only minorities there, which already makes you, you know, just raise some questions. Like, man, what's happening here? And and usually it was underfunded and all this stuff, whatever. Mm -hmm. But whenever we're watching this documentary and that um, uh, statistic was shown, uh, one out of three. I was like, Nat started crying, just thinking about, she said, man, that's, I don't know if it's really that wise to say kids' names here, but that's so-and-so and mm-hmm. so-and-so. And everybody in her class was, uh, exception of, of a couple African-Americans, they were black kids. Yeah. And just thinking that one, one out of three, and that the ones that we know are just incredible people like you, mm-hmm. Uh, then that means that that statistic landed on someone else that perhaps we don't know that, otherwise we could be friends with or talk or I don't know. It was it was heartbreaking. Yeah, I feel like those kind of documentaries just kind of blow this. Um, I don't really know what the wording is there, but the the perception that police treat everybody equally and again it's not perhaps necessarily that all these cops are like. Oh, my gosh, I am systematically going to go in and arrest uh, black people. Uh, But in a lot of ways, it's kind of like systemic. It's in in the documentary. does a really good job at just kind of laying down some foundations. That's good.
1: And I really think the next step in that when we see those things, it's not just saying, oh, that's sad, but it which it is. But at the same time, okay, so why has that happened? Mm -hmm. What things um, that have uh, what things in our past or even today have contributed to that statistic? Is it, you know, um, just fatherlessness or, you know, or whether that be, you know, just um, socioeconomic or, you know, the wealth distribution, just things like that. Where have different things in our country contributed things that affect the, the, the statistic yeah. that you just saw?
0: Yeah, dude. You know? yes. Cool. Uh, there's another,
1: uh, Didn't you watch a, uh, a documentary or something like Caliph or something like that?
0: Yes. the It's it's called Time, the Caliph, uh Browder, I think that's how you pronounce it, yep. uh, Browder or Browder um, story. And it's also a Netflix and it talks a lot about like the judicial kind of system and how it's flawed and specifically targeting um, African-Americans. And particularly, I think it's more like a poor mm-hmm. people issue. and just in Guatemala there was this uh I'm totally going on the fly over here but in in Guatemala this is also true this is a a world thing it's not just here yeah it's uh it definitely is systemic there's a, a case in Guatemala where uh just a few days ago um they you know they have heavy restrictions for covid mm-hmm. uh, because cases are going up and all this stuff so they're basically setting really, really hard hard boundaries on people's gatherings and all this stuff. But somehow they found that some people were having like an intense party. And uh, it just happens to be in an area where there's a lot of wealth and there's a lot of money. And it just happens to be that the people that own this place have a lot of money. You know, they just happen to be white, which is, you know, just kind of like statistical. You can see many dots connecting over here. And I don't think so far other than they charged them a fine or whatever None of those people were arrested. Yeah, but whenever you look at the indigenous people in Guatemala are being arrested for Going out to the market to sell fruit.
1: Yeah, petty stuff you know? To
0: sell fruit. Yeah, <laughs> which is the thing for their life. Yeah, and they have a, a back-to-back picture of one this party going up which apparently they even put a a message up in a screen that said everybody be kind of like uh, a little less louder because the police are outside you know so they knew what they were doing they're not ignorant they're not stupid uh they were clearly stepping over boundaries Mm -hmm. lawful boundaries and then you have these people who are indigenous guatemalans who are selling fruit and they're being arrested and taken away from homes and there's no chance in heaven. I can even picture the police walking into one of these really wealthy people's homes and arresting one of their kids because they know the president, they know mm-hmm. some sort of congressman, <laughs> they etc. etc. It, it's so sad. It, it really is. But but the the time uh, the Khalif Browder story. That's the name of the the documentary. Just points how in a lot of ways poor people, which again. Even if you take a ride around our town, mm-hmm. you go to the poorest neighborhood, predominantly black people. Yeah. So you see how this is all just a cycle, right? Like yeah. poor uh, people are systemically being oppressed. And then you see that it's African-Americans who end up in jail. in this yeah. story just For sure. makes, and I th- I
1: think I think yeah. definitely too, we can't neglect the fact that all the races can be wealthy or poor, but at exactly. the same time disproportionately Majority of the time, poor neighborhoods are going to be predominantly black neighborhoods, yep. you know, and so dude, again, dude. ask why.
0: And, mm-hmm. and is is it possible that, you know, this this has something bigger than, you know, it just it's the way that it is. No, right. Maybe there's a story behind it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, again, just that documentary. It's called "quote unquote" Time Khalif Browder story. Just highlights all the things that I'm ignorantly talking about.
1: Yeah, um, and like I think that's really good and how you brought that up because I think that that makes me think of um, just like people in jail specifically. A lot of times, like, I don't know the statistics or anything, so I'm not going to try to quote anything, but like more black people are disproportionately incarcerated than, you know, people who aren't black. And so I think that we have to really, like I said, should start to raise questions. Mm-hmm. Um, it's either, I think some of the questions that we can ask is going to be, you know, oh, just by happenstance, you know, it's mostly black people who are going to be in jail or going to live in these poor neighborhoods and i don't think it's just by happenstance i mean it could be but Mm -hmm. or some people could say or maybe you know black people are you know just genetically more prone to that and i think Mm -hmm. that's very wrong to say for any race which is you know the purest form of racism or it could be you know hey let's look at our history let's look at things that contribute to that and that's just what i'm going to keep going back to let's learn our history let's look Mm -hmm. at things that have contributed to these to these statistics and then you know try to try to go from there yeah you know
0: dude it's yeah whenever you look at schools yeah low-income schools that are usually underfunded are packed with minorities Mm -hmm,
1: for sure and i Um, think too like i i i don't know all all the history about it but something that many people i was never taught in school but i have to look up on my own is redlining have you ever heard of that no never redlining and so and so i don't i mean um this is very loose here but um Redlining was after, after the war, when people were coming back in the 1940s. You know, um, white soldiers were able to buy homes and then, you know, start to create a certain type of wealth for their family. The, the, the way to create wealth was to buy a home and go to college, you know, and start to build your life. Whereas the black people were actually told, you know, oh, you can't live in this neighborhood, you have to go live over here. And then, you know, the loan that you get for this house is gonna be, dis- is gonna be you know, insurmountable. To where you can even pay it. and that was systemically i think that's where we can start to see the result in our of it. country's history you know as systemic and how that you know in the 1940s you know yeah. gener- a gen- couple of generations ago that yeah. how that has influenced like you know trickled down into into where we are today yeah. so i think that you know just learning things of our history specifically redlining i think has a has a big yeah. contribution to that and then with that like you said schools just like schools are funded by the property tax so if we have redlining so we have you know White people live over here. Black people live over here, which was mandated by the government. And then these neighborhoods are going to fund the schools in that area. What else are you setting up for? You know, yeah. and so yeah,
0: you're systemically setting somebody yeah, up for failure for sure, uh, dude. Yeah, and in Abilene, it's not that far fetched from that either. Mm-hmm. I mean, north side of Abilene, heavily poor, mm-hmm. heavily minority slash African American mm-hmm. black communities. South side of Abilene, yeah. wealthy for sure Pri- Pri- predominantly Pri- predominantly white white people which means better teachers mm-hmm. because more taxes mm-hmm. uh, or more money is goes Fun into it school, and- all that oh stuff. my gosh dude it's yeah. a lot
1: of stuff but i think like i said like with all this information this information is not just a oh my gosh you know all the stuff is bad but the, okay like this stuff has happened how do we change this thing and, and how do we go how do we move forward you yes know? I mean, that's where i think we can all go
0: dude and, and which just brings us to the question thomas how do we, how do we move
1: forward yeah I think that's good I think many people today just with everything that's going on um are asking themselves you know how to move forward and I think something that um, was mentioned in our sermon last week was sharpen your axe um, what wow. jr talked about like if you want to go you know start chopping down a tree as we would try to you know start to rewrite some of these rhythms that our country's had you don't just go start shop, chopping down a tree you 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 learn how to you learn how to hit the tree. You learn how to attack it from different angles or to, you know, look at the makeup of the tree. And so, like, what Jared was saying, sharpen your axe, um, educate yourself, you know, read books, um, talk to people who don't look like you. And um, then also, too, when we do talk to people who are differently, be able to give a voice to people who necessarily don't have a voice, you mm-hmm. know? And so I think that's where we can really start right there. What okay. do you think?
0: And in, in, in my mind, I think something that has been beneficial for me, and I think, again, Jesus and Scripture calls us to this. And it's it's it's... It's the the, the call to start with us. Yeah. It starts with me. Because I have to hand over to the Lord my racist tendencies. Mm -hmm.
1: And I think we all have biases and things like that that contribute to those things.
0: I have to give up my, you know, which happens often, demeaning people in social classes or, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't have any particular examples of that, but... um, I want to start for me I want to start with me because that's that's the only thing that I can do right now for sure is say Lord get rid of me of every single ounce of sin and hatred bitterness judgment whatever else uh, that is in me so that I can be transformed into your image yeah which is Jesus for sure. and I think when that happens um, again, I don't know how to move forward. I think I, I think what we're realizing is that this is a lot more deep than we think it is. Mm-hmm. Like if we were talking about going back in history, we can go back in history. Uh, some people are talking about taking, you know, some of the wealth out of some white people, and then you're like, you don't you don't know if they worked from the ground mm-hmm. for that, and and they've worked it. So you obviously can't do that. Yeah. And there's not. A world in which you going around destroying the property of people who've worked really hard For even sure. if they're black you know people which yeah. happens in some of these protests uh, I, I just i don't know if you could ever justify that yeah. but at the same time i can stay here and just do nothing mm-hmm. but i don't know what to do so the only thing that i can do is start with me yeah uh, start with my family with mm-hmm. my daughter but i'll, I'll raise her to be a follower of jesus yeah and what that means is somebody who loves their neighbor. Yeah, and she cannot become that if I don't do that. So exactly.
1: Yeah, and that's important. I start with me. Yeah. It start with you, and I think yeah, start starts in the household, which is mm-hmm. important. Um, but yeah, man, like what I want to do when I have kids, I mean, I'm gonna have, Lord willing, by um, you know, with with Brynn one day, kids who are who are biracial, you know, and so there's gonna come all these different dynamics with that. And but like with them, what I what I hope and plan to teach them is like, yes, you may look different than a lot of your kids who go to your school or whatever, but those differences. Don't make you any less valuable, but be able to recognize differences and celebrate differences. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. when Jesus sees you, He made you that way, and He smiles. When mm-hmm. Jesus sees your friend who is white, He made him that way, and He smiles. When Jesus sees your friend who is black, He made him that way, and He smiles. And so, just like the the kid who I met, and you know, in kids ministry, like he recognized that I was black and wanted to you know pursue me and just to talk to me. You know, and mm-hmm. I think that's, and I think that wouldn't have came if 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 people in his home weren't you know, showing him that or showing him how to value people and things like that. Mm -hmm. So,
0: I love that. uh, The other thing that I found very important is to push back when we see people uh, demeaning others, Mm -hmm. um, whether that is social class or whatever you want to call it, the way that people dress, etc., profession, etc. But particularly when people demean others because of race. Yeah. I feel like in, in all of us have been in circles like that where things are said or comments are made or that you can always stop and say, man, no. Nah.
1: Yeah, because uh, when we don't do that, whenever we don't, you know, say those things, I, I think passiveness, it. passiveness is normalizing it, you know. And yeah. like I think many people well, I think one of Martin Luther King's best, um, you know, best pieces of work is the letter to Birmingham jail. And that was specifically to people who were, you know, the white Christians and and elders and things like that, who were moderate, who weren't just, you know, and and not not so much like moderate in political things, but just like not very active in pursuing and mm-hmm. pursuing, you know, righteousness and pursuing yeah. people to be valued and loved. Yeah. and that's and that's what we need. We need. It's not going to happen by passivity. It's going to yeah. take intentionality. Yeah, you know, let's
0: go, dude. Especially with our Christian brothers and sisters. Yeah, I feel like in a lot of ways, there's a lot of arguments that you can make that you can you can inform but uh, you know people who are non believers but we ought to hold each other accountable
1: yeah
0: as the church because when when we don't do that the kingdom suffers mm-hmm. because people see Jesus in us that does not represent who Jesus is yeah um, so if anything there's a lot there for for me to even repent and and hopefully to hold others um, accountable yeah as well so um, that's a, that's a good thing. Well, dude, uh, what are some resources that um, that you would recommend for people who are just like, man, I want to learn more?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, I think, like I mentioned earlier, The Color of Compromise uh, by Jamar Tisbee, Really good book. It's free on Audible right now. Um, so I've been listening to that, which is awesome. Um, and also a book titled The New Jim Crow by Michelle Alexander. Um, I haven't read it yet, but I've heard a lot of people say um, it's really good and just kind of getting to see um, a side of our country that we don't really talk about mm-hmm. much just with Jim Crow laws and things like that and how that's yeah. affected us today Yeah. Um, but and also too I'm really thankful that our church put out the well resources Yeah. Have, like oh, yeah, put yeah. Out, you, you can explain
0: yeah. that yeah you can go to the well resources uh, dot com slash uh, just, just look up like racial I think it's racial justice resources um, and there's uh, tons of resources there that um, have been put together you can also go to a link on our Instagram page, The Well College, mm-hmm. and there you can find. I mean, as soon as you uh, click the the link there, it will take you to a webinar that Western Seminary put together, mm-hmm. and it was put together by a black dude who who I mean just blows your mind with, which is how it's he's an incredible man of God, and he recommends resources there that are. Good. I mean, there's plenty to read. Honestly, you could spend the entire 20 and 21 just reading all these books. That's so good. Um, so That's yeah, sounds-
1: awesome. And so, yeah, like those resources, for sure, go check them out. Um, but then also, too, I think what we can really drive home the point to kind of, you know, to kind of make this the focus point is also to just establish... You know, Amago Day that that people are made in the image of God and a love for all people. You know, mm-hmm. and and, not, and whether that comes with people who don't look like us or people who maybe of a different socioeconomic class. You know, it's definitely and kind of like I mentioned earlier that vertical love that we receive is the love that we should try to portray horizontally, mm-hmm. and that's the end goal.
0: Dude, absolutely. Well, and, and even too, I, I I feel like reading scripture is really yeah, important for sure. <sighs> like, you go read the Book of Philemon or. I'd, I mean, what there's so 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 many. Uh, I think Ephesians is the one that says that that the Lord has revealed. And again, I, I'm embarrassed mm-hmm. the fact that I don't know this verbatim. But <laughs> I think it's Ephesians that says that that the Lord has revealed the mystery that He is making it new, people. And dude, whenever you read uh, Revelation, uh, you know, says that uh, I have it over here. It's Revelation seven nine. After this, I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could number. From every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white rows, with palm branches in their hands. They continued, um, end quote there, but continued to worship King, King Jesus. So if this is true, then that means that we, the people of God, are a family that have that are composed of all people groups. That starts today. It doesn't start when Jesus comes. It's true of it today. You are my brother. Yeah. Um, and First John says, "How can you say that you love God and hate your brother?" Yeah. Um, it's incompatible. It's impossible. Um, so, um, with that said, dude, are you good?
1: I'm good, dude. I really appreciate you asking me these questions, awesome. and I hope people enjoy this podcast and you know have affections. Stir towards Jesus and how to yes. love people better.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. I that is the wish of, of this as well for, for me. But uh, thank you for uh, tuning in. I hope that this episode was helpful. If you have any questions or comments, uh, um, or would like to be in a loop of what's going on during the summer, uh, send us an email at the well, uh, college, at sorry at, college at the well or you can also follow us on the Instagram page at the Will college. Thank you for being here and see you next time.